Welcome to episode number 51 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. We're creating a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. Today's episode, we're talking about the use of rotary vacuum drum filters in industries handling combustible dust. On the call today, we have to talk through a topic, Stephen Kasich, technical sales engineer at Osprey Corporation based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Stephen, thank you for coming on the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Hey, Chris. Good to be here. and Thanks for having me. I'm really excited for this discussion. Um, I, I met Stephen and the Osprey team actually during some recent travel that I was doing. Um, I was in a nearby state and got to stop down at Atlanta and see their manufacturing facility where they, they make their rotary drum filters. Um, they really talked me through their company, uh, how they approach combustible dust safety, how they approach process safety in general, and showed me their technology, their R&D facility. It was really interesting to see what they're doing in filter collection for combustible dust how they've actually changed and upgraded and modified their systems to be compliant with combustible dust safety and kind of remove some of the restrictions that have traditionally been, been put on these systems. So I thought that was a great topic to get on the podcast today and get Stephen to talk through, kind of give the, the listeners some insight into what, what I learned when I was down at uh, down in Atlanta. So Stephen, maybe just before we kind of get into the main topic, can you give the, the listeners just a bit about your background and, and time at Osprey? Sure. So my background is in mechanical engineering. I've been with Osprey for five years now. Started out with the company um, as a project engineer and main roles and responsibility of a project engineer here is to follow the, the equipment from purchase order to delivery and then support uh, the full life, life cycle of that equipment. So that includes doing CAD drawings, doing calculations for airflows, uh, so on and so forth, managing the production schedule. And then recently, I was given the opportunity to join the technical sales role as one of our uh, more senior sales uh, representatives is going to be retiring next year. So um, I'm excited for the opportunity and uh, was also excited for you to come down and, and talk with us last week. Yeah, and as a as an engineer turned into you know the world that I'm in now, and having done a little bit of sales in a previous life as well, I I know that transition. And there's probably some listeners on the the uh, listening to this, this podcast episode there that are also thinking through that. They, you know the transition from being a technical project managing engineer through to to moving into sales can be an interesting one. Yeah, big time. Uh, you know, it's funny hearing the sound of your own voice on a microphone is a uh, a bit shocking after you've been behind a desk for about four years. Yeah, it's easy to hide behind the the calculations and the graphs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, that's some great background on Osprey. Um, I'll just add to that: they actually do build the um, assemble the the units there, so they get you know different pieces brought in from from wherever. But they actually build these rotary drum vacuum drum filters there, and you know it was really interesting to see the whole process. Maybe for the listeners can. Can you just introduce what is a, a rotary vacuum drum filter? Yeah, so rotary vacuum drum filter is essentially a, a dust collector, but it, it is fairly unique versus um, uh, I'm sure what the, a lot of the listeners are used to for dust collectors. It's it's pretty unique and different than, um, than a bag house. Um, but basically the working principle is the rotary drum filter is a, perforated um, metal cage. So think of like a, a hamster wheel <laughs> on real basic terms. And this 
cage uh, with perforated metal is covered with uh, uh, filter media. And it's enclosed in a, in a steel house, basically. And what we do is we bring in incoming process air, so dust-laden air, and we collect that material onto that filter cloth. Um, now, the, that's the drum filter element of the equipment. The, the rotary portion has to deal with the motion of that drum. So as that process air is coming into the enclosure, the drum is rotating. And the purpose of that rotation is so that we can clean the surface of that media. Now, that's, that's the basics of it. Uh, and there's some, there's some other features as far as uh, uh, secondary and tertiary filtration stages that don't necessarily involve um, the rotary motion. Okay, so... Yeah, let's kind of draw the picture in the in the listener's mind. So you have a you have a an enclosure that inside the enclosure you have a a drum, and this drum is I think normally mounted horizontally. So where a bag house, you sort of have your bags mounted um, vertically. The big drum in the center of the enclosure is mounted horizontally. This spins on a central axis, and then incoming air is brought into the system from the top or the side, and the kind of working principles that air uh, has dust particles in it. That dust gets trapped onto the filter that's on top of the rotating or on the rotating drum, and the clean air gets sucked out through the the center. And I think the part that you mentioned there at the end is that, or the transition period there is, they kind of have these vacuum nozzles that sit over top of the rotating drum, and that uh, cleans the the filter media. So as the dust gets trapped on it, those vacuums nozzles suck off the the dust to stop from building up. Did I kind of miss anything in that in that process of describing it? No, that's that's accurate. So if that wasn't if that was confusing enough, I will suggest that there is a, a video of the blue sky filter assembly time lapse video of them actually building the thing on Osprey, and we'll include that in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash fifty one, um, in case it's hard to visualize. But those that have been in the industry and have seen these things might have a, a good idea of what they look like. But that just gives you an idea of of some of the aspects of it. So I maybe mentioned one or two, but how are these different than the traditional baghouse style assemblies that you you would see in in a lot of dust handling operations? In a baghouse, um, there's basically uh, three cleaning methods. But to back up from that, the both the baghouse and the rotary drum filter are going to operate off of a similar principle, uh, where we're pulling a vacuum through a filter media. So process air comes in, we pull a vacuum across a filter element, uh, there's a certain differential pressure associated with a clean bag, and then uh, a higher deep differential pressure as that bag gets dirty. Um, but the, some of the big differences come into how that element is clean. So on a bag house, those, the three cleaning methods would be reverse pulse jet air, reverse airflow, and a shaker method to uh, discharge that what I believe what they refer to it in uh, that industry is uh, a dust cake. So you have that material um, be discharged from uh, the filter element, and then it drops down down into uh, the bottom of the bag house into a collection hopper. The main difference between that versus the rotary drum filter is the process air that's coming in and the the dust that's being accumulated on the filter service uh, surface because of that vacuum is being actively cleaned by the, the nozzles we talked about. 
So baghouse, you're collecting a material in the bottom of the actual enclosure. Rotary drum filter, we're taking that material and we're discharging it offline from the drum filter. Okay. Are there any other kind of differences from um, that system and uh, you know your more traditional baghouse style assembly? Yeah. Um, drum filter is typically the, uh, the highest um, efficiency rating that's achieved on that drum section is going to be a, a MERV-10. And then uh, the downstream passive stages, which are a cassette type filter element, like a pleated filter element, um, are used to achieve the higher efficiency ratings, uh, MERV-14, HEPA quality air. Um, In bag houses, those efficiency ratings can be uh, achieved on that initial stage. And then other types of differences would be the industries that we serve. Uh, we've seen bag houses used um, in extremely high temperature applications or applications with uh, combustible fumes and other types of industries like that. Okay, and we didn't really mention that in the, the description of the rotary filter, but so once you once the clean air is exhausted through the center of the rotating drum, then you can actually put filter stages on that clean air to to increase the efficiency, so to capture as you mentioned, kind of moving from MERV 10 through to higher efficiencies and then even HEPA to get kind of breathable air back out. So if you're thinking about the whole system, that's that's really what the whole thing would look like is a rotary drum. And then on the end, you have these uh, horizontal filters that, that can take out the rest. So what I was really inspired by and interested in when we were down there looking at your guys' systems is that you have particular steps in to avoid um, combustible dust explosion hazards um, and there's actually quite a number of them in in their system i think is it is a blue sky is that the the assembly that you that has your combustible dust features yes so um our blue sky filter is our our patented filter that achieves that um, hepa quality filtration and then that's a that's the platform that we've used to develop these different features that uh, protect us from the um, explosion hazard Okay, and what so what are some of those features then in terms of, of how they're designed and how they're implemented? Yeah, so you know, I'm sure you're from your uh, listeners are familiar with the uh, the five sided dust explosion chart. Um, so we handle one fe- you know one thing we can eliminate is the the combustible dust inside of an enclosure. So what we've done is we've identified two two parts of this. The first part is ignition sources. What we've done is we've taken any sort of um, motor or sensor um, rotation, pressure, so on and so forth, and we've moved those uh, to the exterior exterior of that drum filter. You'll see on older equipment manufactured back in the, the 90s, uh, uh, certain pieces of, of those equipment, there would be lights on the inside of the uh, drum filter stage or or a gear reducer uh, mounted inside of the enclosure. Um, so what we've done is we've gone through that uh, list of components and and just engineered our engineered the ignition sources to the exterior of the enclosure. Um, and where we can't, uh, so for example, um, a pressure sensor, we've spec'd out ATEX rated components uh, for those uh, zones. Okay, so 
the Dust Explosion Pentagon, which um, yes, our, our listeners will be familiar because that's our that's our logo <laughs> for dust safety science. Um, so that's the five elements of a dust explosion. You need to have the dust. Uh, you need to have so that's your fuel oxidizer, an ignition source, confinement, and dispersion of that dust. And generally, dust collectors will have um, at least four of those. And then the question is, when and how does an ignition source get in there? And you know, there's lots of ways that can happen. Um, but in terms of the 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 Osprey filter system, we're looking at removing those ignition sources by having all electrical components on the outside and anything that is inside the enclosure then is rated using ATEX systems. What other features are there that uh, you know that maybe go on other sides of the Pentagon or even the the ignition side? Yeah, so we're considering the filter um, equipment as part of the o- overall dust collection system, and w- another aspect that we've considered is keeping the MEC at a level um, that's at during operating conditions, it's 25% of the MEC of the particular uh, combustible dust that we're handling. So we've designed the, the inlets for the, the incoming process air duct to be above the conveying um, velocities of that particular combustible dust. Um, we've also gone through um, engineering designs to eliminate horizontal surfaces, any sort of surface that can and will uh, collect that dust, and then design the active cleaning system to keep that MEC um, at 25% or below the incoming that dust. So the air coming into the system then must be moving pretty fast. Is that is that correct? That's correct. And um, so, for example... NFPA 654 recommends as a baseline that uh, the duct the duct be designed so that uh, that that dust or the air conveying the dust is moving at 4,000 feet per minute. That's a guideline. Um, typically, ours are sized so that we're at a minimum of 4,500 feet per minute. But each system is unique. You know, uh, working as a project engineer, um, you would see certain designs that may need that the dust and the air velocity on the inlets would need to be sized for 6,000 feet per minute. Um, so that determination has to be made on a really by a case-by-case basis based on the filter size, the orientation that the process air is entering the filter. There's, there's, a, there's a number of key elements that we have to consider uh, to ensure that it's operating how we've designed it. So you have the the inlet ducts, um, the the flow velocities high through the ducts, obviously. But then once it comes into the entrainment, it's kept high enough so the dust is still in suspension. All the all the walls are smooth and and curved in a way such that that dust you know wraps around, doesn't collect. So you don't actually get any dust building up in that enclosure. It's all settling out on the filter. That's kind of different than the basic operating principle for a bag hose, right? A bag hose inherently will have a dust cloud around the filters each time it's pulsed or at least a pulse style dust collector will and your then the dust is falling out to the bottom of the enclosure for you guys the system it's it's different right you don't actually have any dust accumulating in the enclosure that's right and it's unique because any of the um the ribbing or the flanging that enables us to operate at up to 20 inches of water of static pressure is all designed to be on the outside of the enclosure so we can keep those smooth walls and 
and reduce that dust buildup. But you're exactly right. The the working principle of a of a bag house is creates that that dust cloud. Now we want to keep the dust in suspension inside of the drum enclosure, and that's so that we can capture it onto the drum itself. So if we're if we have material falling out, or if there's dead spots in the filter, we don't have an opportunity to collect it onto the filter media, and then remove it with the vacuum system. Right. And the vacuum system, the the rotation of the drum plus the kind of suction from the vacuums is kept high enough so that you're never, you're always cleaning that filter and that enclosure is never having concentration of dust that's above the, the MEC or at least a dispersed concentration. That's right. And, the, you know, the, the, the list of uh, considerations even extends to the, uh, the rotation of the drum where we've We've designed the rotating speed of the drum in conjunction with the cleaning system so that, A, I believe the, the European directive is that if, if you rotate the circumvental velocity is below one meter a second, um, then you don't have a risk for spark. And so we've designed that rotating drum feature so that we don't have the risk of creating a spark in the case of metal-on-metal contact. Okay. So yeah, that would fall under the ignition source category. And then again, so you're not having the housing banging up against the, or the, the drum filter banging up against the housing fast enough to cause a spark. Correct. Okay. Any other kind of features that are, you know, designed in for explosion safety on these systems? Yeah. Um, speaking of that, the vacuum system, so we can compare and contrast the bag house again, is a, on a bag house, the, the way to, uh, to remove that material is, to discharge it with the reverse, reverse pulse jet or reverse airflow. And then once that material is discharged from the bags, it can be collected in a barrel. Now, our working principle is to actively clean the drum. So we're pulling the dust from the surface of the drum using a high-pressure blower fan. And our static pressures are designed and airflow is designed uh, to keep the conveying velocity above 4,500 feet per minute. But some design considerations that we've looked at for this, this cleaning fan is actually related to the ATEX certification. So we've considered uh, essentially a spark-resistant construction, vibration monitoring, completely bonded, and then earth fan construction uh, so that at the end we meet a, a Zone 21 inside certification for the fan and a no zone outside just because of the concentration of dust that we're dealing with when we do vacuum it off of the filter media right that makes sense so on that filter side or on the vacuum side the system behind that with the blower fan and the the cyclone or whatever you're using to actually pick that up is is rated as well right so downstream you know okay it's all good and well that we've been able to uh, vacuum this dust off the drum but we've got to do something with it and so Another important element is, as you mentioned, the, the cyclone that handles the dust coming from the discharge of that uh, stripper or nozzle fan blower. And we've sized it so that it can be installed indoors without explosion venting as well. So, And that's, that's following uh, NFPA guidelines as well, trying, uh, keeping the internal volume of the, the cyclone below eight cubic feet. So yeah, the the discharge at the end of the day, we end up discharging into either um, 
you know, 55 gallon drum, similar to a bag house or, or just depending on the combustible dust we're dealing with, we can go to uh, a briquetter, um, screw compactor and other devices. Okay. So that gives a good idea of the system and the, you know, the changes and modifications for combustible dust. I really like that the, the concept of, you know, not having, um, dust above the exposable concentration inside the enclosure and then where it is above the the concentration, the minimum exposed concentration, having it um, with the rated fans and equipment. Have you guys done any kind of testing on the system or had any analysis done? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> kind of a few different parts to that too is internally, we'll do different assessments that relate to ATEX or NFPA. So we'll do ignition assessments or hazard analysis. And, analysis <laughs> will will do dust property analysis um, which is typically done by the customer and provided to us on the ATEX side we typically deal with risk analysis uh, and then and then the larger part of that is the risk assessment we'll do zone calculations for each stage of the filter uh, the area around the filter the cyclone collection, the stripper fan, main system fan, and and develop these reports based upon end user requirements. So those are some of the the exercises and the and the documents and paperwork and calculations we've done um, in house. And then beyond that, we we also have worked with uh, some third party companies. Um, to validate those assessments and, and validate our approach to dealing with combustible dust. And so what are the, the benefits of this system then? Are you able to you know, go without venting or those sorts of things on your dust collector uh, because you're able to, you know, from a risk-based approach, remove the ignition and, and dust sources? Or how, how does that work? Yeah, so we, we have been able to uh, achieve that where... This system does not require explosion venting, can be installed indoors. Um, we'll see it installed next to production lines. And we've done that with the, the approach that we've, we've taken and the methodology and yeah, the risk-based design, performance-based design approach that we've, we've taken with the system. So the, the two biggest components to our approach um, in our engineering design has been like we said to keep the MEC below twenty five percent and remove the ignition sources. And one of the companies that we worked with um, uh, was Decra, and Decra worked with uh, another engineering firm uh, called Chillworth to help uh, develop a statement that agrees with our stance on that. Okay, so that would be sort of analysis looking at the ignition sources and looking at the the dust control measures. And then not requiring, you know, explosion venting on the the risk based approach that you're you're preventing these sort of explosions from being able to happen in the first place. That's right. And one of the studies that we we performed was we took a a worst case scenario. So if the listener can imagine this process running, we have a the rotary drum filter operating. We have process air coming from equipment that's generating dust or 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 we're collecting fugitive dust from collection hoods and in a worst case scenario um, we consider that to be 
in a power outage. Um, so our simulation for that is to, to hit an e-stop. Uh, the reason why we consider that a worst case scenario is because uh, the drum is no longer rotating when we lose power. So as fans are winding down, there's still dust being pushed through uh, the ductwork into the enclosure and we're no longer actively cleaning it due to the loss of power. Uh, so one of the studies that we did was to simulate this. Uh, and after the shutdown, um, which lasted for a pretty conservative one minute, we were able to go in, uh, collect all the dust that had entered and had been entrained onto the filter media uh, and found that it, it, need, it met our required goals um, with regards to the MEC uh, the dust concentration. Okay. Well, that's, that's really interesting to see. It's good to see those worst case scenarios drawn out because you may not think of that case. Thinking of a power road is actually probably a good thing to do for every piece of equipment in every kind of processing line. Cause that's when you're going to get a, you know, the worst kind of thing happening. Like you're saying, the, the dust is building up and not, uh, you know, not being brought out. So that's, that's an interesting way to do it. I like that. Yeah. And it's, we we think it's a really good approach. Really, one one aspect for me is uh, we can design startup sequences and and shutdown sequences and interlocks uh, as part of that system. But if we lose power, then a lot of that those considerations are null and void, uh, and we still have to protect against the hazard because the hazard is still present. Yeah, exactly. There's a there's an old report. I want to say it was agricultural silo explosion. So it's probably 1982, maybe 1978, something like that. Um, but it, it listed from, I believe, 1900 through the 1980s, a whole pile of, of grain silo explosions. I think it had listed as the third highest contributor for ignition at 17% was uh, lightning. <laughs> So I don't. It's hard to judge whether or not you know they were just recording lightning as the the ignition source when they didn't have another one to name. Wow. <laughs> but uh, that's that's what the report says. <laughs> <laughs> hard to hard to account for when and where, right? Yeah. Well, there's a there's a saying, and it's um, maybe uh, maybe inappropriate, but I'll I'll, I'll say because you'll hear it uh, in in the industry. But there's a saying um, within NFPA that if uh, if uh, you don't have any ignition sources in your process, then then God will provide one. I can't help to think back to that uh, that report that I that I read on the grain silo explosions. Okay, so this, I mean, this is a really great overview of the system. I was again really interested to see it uh, in person, see the modifications you guys have made to um, address ignition sources, address dust concentration. What industries are currently having success with these sort of systems? Well, our main industries are. Disposable hygienics, so that's going to be baby care products, uh, aka diapers, uh, we, uh, BIM care, adult incontinence, um, anything that's doing uh, disposable moisture absorption or or hygiene. Those processes they they rely on uh, air, moving air to actually form the product. Um, so. There's different sorts of process fans that may form one layer of the diaper. There's different process fans that may hold the diaper to a vacuum belt. And due to the composition of it with uh, cellulose and a um, super absorbent material, the process creates a, a lot of dust. Um, 
So that that's one really large industry that we're involved with. And, and any of the listeners that work in those industries have probably uh, seen a rotary drum filter and, and, and maybe even worked on one. But we also uh, provide drum filters for uh, convert paper converting industries. So tissue and, and paper towels. And then we work in not so much on rotary drum filters. Um, there is some involvement in plastics and also in, in agriculture. There's applications in those markets for this type of technology. So it's good to hear those those backgrounds. The 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 diapers and hygienics are near and dear to my heart. Having a, a twelve month year old, twelve month old here at the house, but maybe digging into that, why it seems it seems like an odd a ch- odd choice of that industry specifically focuses so much on rotary drum filters. Is there something inherent with design that is you know useful for that industry? Yes, the one of the, one thing that we can do because of the way we collect the combustible dust off of that drum surface is we can in certain applications take that collected dust from the nozzle fan and and reclaim the materials um, so in in its early stages that was a a really important feature to the end users was to recollect that that cellulose the super absorbent polymer which is which is expensive and be able to reintroduce it back into the product uh, be able to separate one from the other using different types of equipment and reintroduce it back into the production process. The industry has gone away from that in certain aspects, but another feature that's that's nice for the the rotary drum filter is it can be installed indoors because the design doesn't require uh, explosion venting. So a lot of customers in Europe may not have the the real estate to be able to stick a filter or bag house outside and can put that um, that equipment next to uh, the production line. And then beyond that, the the filtration level that we can achieve with uh, with HEPA stages uh, is beneficial for energy savings and um, in the terms of returning the air into a warehouse, um, returning it back to the production floor. Or returning it to an air handler, since the since a lot of the moisture content has already been removed from the air. Okay, no, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense, and I think that pretty much wraps up the overview. Like I like I mentioned, this was a new technology to me the the rotary vacuum drum filters in terms of dust collection. Obviously, there's been a lot of success in, in a lot of the industry using them, but the the part that I was really interested in the most was these these things that you can add and these innovations around. Um, safer systems in regards to handling combustible dust that just may not be available in other types of systems. And really just kind of the forward-thinking nature. Okay, well, how do we start to remove some of these? Can we have a system where we have the combustible dust level that's not high enough to have an explosion? Um, that's a you know a really good feature that I think adopted more broadly would lead to less instance. Um, always ask yourself, can we just eliminate this? Do we need a silo that stores the dust? Or do we need to have a piece of equipment that that is above um, exposure concentrations is a good first question to ask in any of these conditions. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing your background and sharing a, a both the rotary drum filters. And is there any kind of one thing you'd like to leave the, the listeners off with um, before we close out this episode? Well, I would just like to put an emphasis on uh, any of the listeners that, that haven't started to do a, a dust hazard analysis. I thought it was interesting. Our conversation when you were in town uh, last week is that you've got the the frog in boiling water syndrome. It's 
So what that means is that if you put a frog in in cold water and let it slowly boil, he'll never jump out. And uh, I think maybe that mindset has been entrenched into certain industries or 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 certain production facilities where it's been 70 years we've been operating this way the whole time and we've never haven't had an incident the point is is that it just that history doesn't mean there there won't be an incident um and if you follow the nfpa flow charts for dha or or look at the european standards to determine performance level you can look at if those events will be catastrophic or not and and quickly see just how critical it is to at least start that dust hazard analysis and and start making progress to to protect against combustible dust and accumulation and that risk in your facility. I couldn't agree more. And I like the example of the, the frog in the, the boiling pot. <laughs> well, I'm going to take the lightning from you. All right, Steve. Well, I appreciate having you on. And yeah, I look forward to next time I get down to Atlanta to seeing um, what you and Osprey are up to at that point as well. Great. Thanks for having me on, Chris. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney, and Stephen Kasich, Technical Sales Engineer at Osprey Corporation, based out of Atlanta, Georgia. We've been talking all about rotary drum filters. Um, we talked about you know what the difference is between a rotary drum filter and traditional bag host dust collectors that you've seen. You know, and you've heard a lot about in this this podcast. Talk about how the the cleaning methods different, the efficiency ratios are a bit different in some of the industries that are served. We really we really dived into some of the new innovations that are being made in these systems around combustible dust safety. Things like removing ignition sources out of the enclosure, so this can be electrical components, but also things like thinking about you know what happens if you have metal on metal contact. Can we keep the the rotational velocities down low enough that you're not going to spark off and have an ignition source? And then also design the system so that it has flow through the combustible dust, doesn't have buildup to combust or to explosible levels, um, which then allows you through risk based design to make a appropriate judgment whether or not there is an explosion hazard. Some major benefits of the system that Stephen outlined include being able to install these, you know, indoors with no explosion venting, uh, as long as they're designed appropriately for the material you're handling. He talked a bit about how the design may change depending on, you know, the size and shape of the dust and airflow requirements and that sort of thing. But also some other benefits like having a constant uh, head pressure or a more consistent airflow throughout the system as you're not turning off different areas in your in your bag house and you know having pressure changes. And also the ability to recapture and reclaim the materials from your vacuum system. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I again was really interested. I went down there, see what they're doing, see if they're taking these new and innovative approaches and in industries handling combustible dust. So that's it for this episode of the podcast. If you have any questions about the rotary drum system, um, you can check out the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 51. I'll have some contact information for Steven or for Osprey there. Um, and as always, I just want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. I hope you have a, a safe and productive week ahead, and I appreciate the work that you're doing all around the world in industries handling combustible dust every day. Mm-hmm.